The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! You're on for the uh, evening news, okay? Remember oh. to uh, kick it to uh, sports very briefly okay. and then pass it over to the weather, oh, okay? Oh, boy. Uh, Hello. Welcome to the... Am I on? Am I on? You're on. I'm going to go ahead and need you to read like two headlines and then throw it to weather. Okay. okay? Just, th- you know what? Skip over sports. Just throw it to weather. Okay. In evening news, we've got two headlines. Just go ahead and read the prompt. The, the headlines are as follows. New trees? Question mark? <laughs> Check-, <laughs> Check in with us later about that one. Here's two. Number of the heads. Hey. You up? Look. <laughs> Okay, Johnny, just go ahead and throw it to weather. Uh, here's uh, weather. Okay, well, listen, I'm going to level with you. It's not It's not looking too good out there today. Um, I'd say there's at least a 30% chance of my rent check not clearing. And at least a 40% chance of my wife never returning again. I'm sorry, what was that? Did you ask about the, de- the, the degrees outside? Because I really can't deal with that right now. I'm going through a lot. I... I'm gonna need you to I give me at least a couple, just a just a couple forecasts, just a couple degrees here. Ah, uh, I'm gonna. Oh, I can tell you the degree in which I will respond to the subpoena. Whatever her lawyer is saying is nonsense, and everything I'm paying this guy. All of it accumulates over here in this region. All of that money is just is just bunching up over here and there's a real cold front coming from that cruel b- There's just a real b- cold front coming down the coast of my life. There is an absolute chance of my sadness. Loved me. You know what? I did put a hand on the dog. Okay, I put many hands on the dog. 
I think it'll be a nice weekend for other happy couples. To what degree do you think? I think it might be three degrees outside. Thanks, Dennis. Boy, this is the worst first day of newscasting I ever had. (laughs) I thought this was going in a different direction entirely. This is the worst station. No wonder cable news is failing. They're getting this. This is what's coming out of journalism school. Uh, Welcome to the Third Man Podcast. That's the Jack White History Program. I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. And uh, if you couldn't tell what this episode's going to be about based on the bit, well, we're going to tell you, but first, this is a Jack White history program where we go over Third Man Records releases and movies and assorted bands and TV shows and all sorts of stuff. And today, Paul, we've got a very special episode. By very special, I don't mean, you know, like a very special episode of like a like a sitcom from the 1990s. Uh, I'm talking right. about uh, that game that we all know and love, The Three Degrees of Jack White. Yeah, so that was the the bit was degrees because it's three degrees of Jack White. So yeah, normally it's six degrees of the Bacon Man, uh, where people you know make the connection. Oh, this person was in that and so forth uh, is connected to Kevin Bacon. But James, uh, you had a wonderful idea. We're gonna do a game today on the show. We're gonna play a game with each other, and I love these episodes because they're always so kooky. And this is a new game. We're trying out this new game here, and we're, we each picked three musicians that have seemingly nothing to do with Jack White to Third Man Records or anything like that, and we gave them to the other person, and the other person had to find three degrees, because it, instead of six, you know, it is Jack White program after all, so we found three degrees connecting those seemingly unrelated people, and oh, some hijinks are going to ensue, I think. I think so. Some hijinks, some low points. What I want to know, Paul, is that you said that these kinds of episodes really bring out the wacky in us. That was your exact words, right? And (laughs) what I want to know is, when will that start? Because right now, this has been one of the more humdrum episodes that we've had. (laughs) I could could tell you what's going to bring us out of that slump, James. A trip on over to the kinky corner. (gasps) Oh, let's kink on down. I'm a seeker, too. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than that. There's got to be an answer. You may not like what you find. Just getting the kinks out. All right, all right, come on, kids. Let's try the energy. Yeah, so, hey... You know, James and I have these segments at the top of the show, and this is a new one that we've been trying out because we kind of wanted to learn more about the kinks. We we started, like, we, it started with an episode James did about Jack Lawrence, talking about the kinks, and boy, we'd really like to learn more about them kinks. And so we've created this, let's call it a safe space, that we can talk about the kinks very briefly on our Jack White program, <laughs> because I find that kind of funny... <laughs> And I'd also like to learn more about the kinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. James, I've got a good one for that kinky little corner this week. And I read that Ray and Dave Davies, the brothers, the founding brothers of the band The Kinks, have had a 
Nolan Liam Gallagher style feud for about 25 years that culminated somewhere in or around the mid 20 teens when they when they wound up like reconciling by moving in close to like moving close to one another so they were like neighbors uh-huh. which is a interesting i didn't realize that i also realized that i most of the kink songs i like are ray davies kink songs mm-hmm. and not dave davies kink songs so ray really does kind of sound like the p- of the two <laughs> based on what I've read here, but I think it just amounts to good songwriting. But here's the best part. Okay, so I found out that they've, they had this big old feud, and this is the best. I read this in metro.co.uk. It says, So speaking previously about their brotherly relationship, Ray shrugged off any feeling of animosity, saying, Don't know what Dave's problem is apart from pride. Although, just a few weeks before... Dave said of their feud, You've heard of vampires. Well, Ray sucks me dry of ideas, emotions, and creativity. He's a control freak. While the pair seem to see eye to eye now, and this was, I think, 2017 or 2018, somewhere in that window, their relationship wasn't always that way, with one of the brothers' famous fights occurring at Dave's 50th birthday party. In a jealous rage, Ray certainly sent eyebrows raising after throwing Dave's cake on the ground and stomping on it. Oh my god, that's a sitcom. (laughs) Take that! Now that's a kinky little fact. Wow, Paul. Well, thanks for taking me through this kinks corner. Are you, unless there's more. I mean, I'll take more if there's more kinks. That's all I got. I, and I also really like the song King Kong that Sean the Revelator, Sean Cannon, introduced to us last episode. I think it's wonderful. I, it's great. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't we put on, well, why don't we play out, why don't we play a little of a, of a favorite kinks song of mine called Supersonic Rocket Ship? Uh, yeah, all right, let's do it. And I think that's a Ray jammy as well, because it's it's in that Lola sort of vein. Love them Ray jammies. Yeah. Slow, soft Ray jammies. I hope you enjoyed the kinky little corner we were just in. Well, welcome back from the Kinks Corner. I hope you y'all got a little kinky in there. Uh, but before we get to the episode, I've, I think I'm smelling something. Whoa, you got... <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we're going to... Is it I think I smell a fact? I think I smell a fact, Paul. What is the most astounding fact? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. Paul, do you want to explain what I think a smell of fact is? I think a smell of fact is when we learn something from a prior episode from a listener or us, but usually a listener who writes in and tells us, and we find a home for it here 
in a segment we like to call I Think I Smell a Fact. Yeah, and Paul, that this this is one of those times when I found something on my own. Yeah. I was I've been diving down a deep nardwar hole, which a sounds what? like it belongs in the kinky corner. <laughs> But uh, Nardwar, if you're not familiar, is an interviewer from Vancouver, British Columbia, and he is known for doing ridiculously intense research of his subjects. No one knows how he does it, but he gets information (laughs) on artists and people he's interviewing that these people, they they see him in his ridiculous outfit and his awful affectations, and they don't take him seriously. And then he's like, but your dream is to have some calamari on a silver platter? Wow, yes, that's true. And they're like... (laughs) Yeah, that's so weird. How do you know that? Did I say that one time? (laughs) And he's like... (laughs) Well, you're Chance the Rapper. We have to know. You have to know. You have to know. Nardwar knows. (laughs) You are Seth Rogen. We have to know. Just ridiculously esoteric facts about these people. And he doesn't phrase them as questions. This is going into a Nardwar thing here, but he doesn't phrase them as questions. He just says the fact. And goes, what do yeah. you think about that? In Seattle, age four, did it all begin there? And then they tell a story and they start like crying and they're like, you're, you're the best interviewer on earth, Nardwar. Is, it, is this real this or is, is it real. satire? No, okay. it's real. He interviewed Gorbachev, Kurt Cobain, he went, uh, Courtney Cox. Wow. Like world leaders. Also, the White Stripes, huh. which we have talked about in the past. I think I brought up some of the Nardwar interview in a way, way, way previous episode. Like, I'm talking, like, the first ten. Anyway. Wait, so at what year? I think 2003. Or no, 2004, I want to say. So there wasn't all that much info. Like, he must have been driven crazy by the lack of information. He had information. Really? Yes. And a name he brought up was Ghetto Blaster Beer. He just shoved the microphone in Meg's face and went, What's the importance of Ghetto Blaster Beer? Ghetto Blaster Beer. Oh, that's... A, it quenches the thirst. Research. You've really done your research. And Jack went... That's a, that's a brewing company that was hooked up with uh, the studio, the roommates. And then it cut off. And the full interview that I could find has it cut off. Now, I was intrigued. <laughs> I needed to know this fact about Ghetto Blaster Beer. So I looked up Ghetto Blaster Beer. Ghetto uh-huh. Blaster Beer is a beer made by a brewery called Motor City Brewery. Uh-huh. Uh, this brewery happens to be in the Cass Corridor. Yeah. This brewery is also across the street from where Third Man Records is now. You can still go there and taste Ghetto Blaster Beer. They're one of the first independent beer labels in Detroit. Now, it was created by a guy by the name of John Lenardos. Uh-huh. John Lenardos was a big fan of punk rock, indie rock, alt rock, all of that kind of stuff, and also beer making. He was in a studio living space that used to be a poultry farm, Paul. Huh. And this poultry farm was what no. eventually turned out no, to be no. ghetto recording. Uh. To quote John Leonardo's, at that time I was living in the studio long before Jim Diamond moved in, says wow. Leonardo's of Live the Living Working Space. Which, by the way, we learned in the Striped podcast. Correct. So for anyone who listened to last episode, we interviewed Sean Cannon, the host of the Striped podcast. You can hear more about the, the origins. He touches on it lightly. He does mention the poultry farm. Yep. He says, I built the studio even before I built Motor City Brewery. It was for other projects and had nothing to do with money. The Detroit Cobras came in, and it was just a party-type atmosphere. 
Jim moved in in 96 huh. to 97 and took the studio part of it up a notch because that's what he does professionally. But just as importantly, the music scene was getting stronger then. We started having a lot of parties at the studio and things just started to gel and things were getting tight. This brewer is what started Ghetto Recorders, basically. He started the wow. studio. Jim moves in, makes it a better studio. Tr- Detroit acts started flowing in. This guy, John Leonardo's, created compilation albums that were released for the brewery at these parties, at, which included Coe and the Knockouts. It included huh. the Detroit Cobras, Demolition Doll Rods. Everybody basically except the Stripes. But Wow. Uh, the dirt bombs it's it's everybody in the detroit scene is like on these compilation albums that were put out by these these compilation albums were ghetto blaster compilations ghetto blaster being the only type of beer he has that's named i just i found this endlessly fascinating and i started digging in so the next time we're in detroit paul we're gonna have to visit motor city brewing company and uh taste some ghetto blaster beer and i have all that to thank because of Nardwar. Wow. Well, I think that was a wonderful fact you done smelled, James. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> and uh, you took me on a journey. Interesting. I hope to taste this beer someday. Apparently it's available in New Jersey. I don't know. If you're a, if you're a listener from Detroit and you know what Ghetto Blaster beer tastes like or can give us a description of the taste of Ghetto Blaster beer, write in and tell us. Send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. Let us know. We would love to know your opinion. On Ghetto Blaster beer. It doesn't sound very appealing. It looks good. Let's say we get to our little game. Well, should we leave I Think I Smell a Fact first? No. (laughs) All right. Yeah, no, we should. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) When I reflect on that fact. All right, James. The the game we're going to be playing is, like, as everybody knows, the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Paul said that in the beginning, where you find the fewest connections between people on things they've worked on and that you can get. Now, what we're going to be doing is the fewest connections we can find to Jack White. Now, the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon goes with Six Degrees, so that's six different people. With Jack White, we decided to go with three because it's Jack White. So we're going to we're going to see if we can get it in 3 if we can't we can't but we'll try. The the the, the keyword is try. Yeah, I got some of mine in less actually and had to elaborate. <laughs> I've got I've got all of mine in 3 but I I have my thought patterns for the ones before I got to 3. So I have all of my alternates also which I'll go through. So I'll do different. I had a couple alternates as well. Yeah. Just because yeah. it was interesting. I hope that wasn't too confusing for everybody out there. James, lit- literally everyone has played that game. Yeah, I know. I know. Even babies have. Paul, why don't you throw one of your three at me? Yeah? Yeah. I picked I picked a few good ones here. I'm excited to, to hear how you connected them. So, okay. James, we'll start the music up here. And mm-hmm. you are going to have to connect Jack White to Herb Albert. This one was a good one. I like this one. This one was fun. I have one alternate for this one also. All right, let's hear it. Should we? Should we? We get like points? Is there like a? 
Is there a winner to this, or is it just like the, the like listeners are the winners? I think the how about the listeners can play along if you guys can find a better connection. You have to post it in a review, send it to us, and we'll send you uh, a little bit of podcast swag. Okay, okay. Herb Alpert. If you're not familiar, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. He's a jazz musician, popular in the. 60s and 70s the guy's still working he's he's a he's a hard worker he has a theater or maybe it's even a wing named after him at the one of the schools my wife Susanna attended uh cal arts has a whole wing or auditorium or something or rather dedicated to herb albert uh the tijuana class <laughs> the tijuana new class <laughs> <laughs> There's screech. <laughs> yeah, uh, he made it big with his album Whipped Cream and Other Delights. It's got a very famous album cover. Who knew connecting sex and the trumpet would work? <laughs> hey, Chuck Mangione knew. <laughs> Wait, no, that was that trumpet? Yeah, that was trumpet. Uh, who can say? Jury's who out. Who can say? Honestly, who knows? So the way I connected Herb Alpert to Mr. Jack White, Mr. John Gillis, Herb Alpert had a hit song written by... And you'll get you'll you'll see my dots connecting immediately. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hit song written by Burt Bacharach. Ooh. The hit song is called "This Guy's in Love with You." Uh huh. The recording originated when Herb Alpert visited Burt Bacharach's office and asked, "Say, Burt, <laughs> hey, Burt, do you happen to have any old compositions lying around that you and Hal never recorded? Maybe one I might be able to use." Herb apparently had a practice of asking songwriters that. And uh, Backrack had one, was uh, This Guy's In Love With You. Uh-huh. He, he recorded this song, became a smash hit, beat out classical gas on the charts. Backrack, I don't believe, was on the song. However, Herb uh, did an album with Steve Tyrell and Burt Backrack called Back to Backrack, where he sang that very song. Uh-huh. Now, Burt Backrack is who we're at now. So that's one connection. Uh-huh. Burt Bacharach was in Austin Powers. Right. <laughs> Not just Austin Powers 1. He defied reality itself and was in Austin Powers 2 as well. Was he? I thought I thought one of them was Elvis Costello. He was both. Oh, it was him man. and Elvis Costello. And in reality, defying odds number three, he was in the third Austin Powers. He was in the third one too? <laughs> I just watched that recently, but I don't Featuring remember. one, Beyonce Knowles. Okay, I see where you're headed. <laughs> so you had via a the, shortcut you could have taken, but instead, you, I, I appreciate the path. Mm-hmm. Via mm-hmm. the Independent, Backrack says he didn't mind the Myers comedies presenting his work as high kitsch. The important thing was that they brought the music to a whole new audience, and he agrees. It was pleasing that Myers screenplays, Michael Myers, that is, the man who did the Austin Powers movies, if you couldn't guess, were alert to the seductive power of his tunes. Beyonce, who was in the role with him, would eventually even sample Burt Bacharach's songwriting from Isaac Hayes' Walk On By and gave credit to Burt Bacharach for the song Six Inch from her 2016 album Lemonade. Which brings us to Jack White and Beyonce doing Don't Hurt Yourself on Lemonade in 2016. Paul, I did it in three. I'm very proud. Uh, Now, all of this has, has reminded me that I had completely forgotten Burt Bacharach, if you're not familiar, wrote the song, I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself. That's right, I thought Jack you were had going. Covered for th- yeah, but it yeah. was too, yeah. A song that Jack White had covered with the White Stripes. Now, there is a I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself music video that I forgot existed. There is? 
featuring an almost naked Kate Moss dancing, and it's filmed by Sofia Coppola. For the stripes? For the white stripes. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Sofia Coppola filmed Kate Moss dancing to I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself by the white stripes. I don't remember us bringing this up at all. No. I don't think I've... I think this is literally the first time I've ever heard of this. I find it shocking that there's a White Stripes video I've never seen. Featuring Kate Moss, of, uh, which is an Allison Mosshart kind of connection in a way. Because Jamie uh, Hintz. Moss is, yeah. Yeah, Jamie Hintz is. What the... F- <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I put this on at work and I was like, oh, sh-. <laughs> This is not safe for work, James. No. Are the White Stripes, like, in this, or is this just Kate Moss, it's like, just Kate sexing Moss. around? She gets a, on a pole eventually. It's just Kate Moss. Is this, like, what a lyric video became? <laughs> it's so bizarre. I had this no idea. This is really weird, dude. I'm not gonna lie. This is really weird. <laughs> like, not, not, like, bad. It's just, like... No, it's, it's a weird fact that we completely missed in our entire knowledge. What is... I feel like we should have known this. I, I wish my facial expression was was able to be communicated in Do audio it. form because I am shocked. Not mm. at the sex happening at me, but the, at the idea that this existed and I did not realize this existed. This is bizarre. fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, in a in the weird way that like that it happened, you know? It also it also doesn't feel like that era of white stripes. Like it feels like the the Raconteur's new album stuff. The yeah, anyway. no, it, yeah, it reminds me a lot of that. And now that you're gone, now that you're gone, thank you. Yeah, James, if this episode gives us nothing more than that, <laughs> I'd be satisfied. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, now, alternatively, uh, off of that subject, my other way of getting her her Balbert to uh, Jack White was her Balbert did the album back to back rack, like I had said earlier, that Steve Tyrell album, but also. John Guerin was on drums. John Guerin was a replacement drummer for the Birds in 1972 to 1973. David Crosby, who was in the Birds at the time, also played with Neil Young. Neil Young recorded at the Third Man's recording booth. He did the entire 2014 album, A Letter Home, featuring Jack White on guitar and vocals for I Wonder If I Care As Much. I... could have helped you make that a three, but if you if you hit me with what, with your first pick, I think I can actually do it for you. Well, I'm gonna throw my next pick at you. It's gonna be Huey Lewis. Hey! Bam! Bam! This is the segment of the show where we just sing all the songs. So Huey Lewis, let's call him a musician. <laughs> he was uh, a very popular man in the 1980s. His band, Huey Lewis and the News, oh, so popular. <laughs> I, tell you, I gotta tell you, I really did no background on these. That's fine. You Other than the to. fact that like everybody knows who Huey Lewis is. And I think we've even played, I don't remember if it was on this show or on Now Hear This. It might have been Now Hear This. We we played the game that I like to play, which is what is Huey Lewis doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite party games. Play it with your friends. <laughs> Ask a group of people what Huey Lewis is doing right now, and you'll get a, a like a Rorschach test worth of responses. Uh, my answer is usually in the bath with a glass of Chardonnay. Oh, nice. I was going to say on a 
bus. You have a bus. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Ryan Brady said a plane. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> and he's reading. He's reading something on the bus. It's not like a public transport bus. It's like a coach. Like a coach bus. He's not, I'm sorry. He's on a coach bus? Huey yeah. Lewis? Yeah. Him and the news are on a coach bus. They're on their way to, uh, let's say, Oklahoma. I'm sorry. He's with the news on a bus to Oklahoma. And he's reading a novel. Anyway, Huey Lewis, I knew him. I don't know, James, if you remember this. Our Aunt Phyllis gave me a, a cassette copy of the album Four, spelled F-O-R-E, when we were very little. And so I did I did have that, that cassette tape of Huey Lewis. Anyway. Uh-huh. But when sports came out in 83, I think that's really when they came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate (laughs) professionalism that gives the songs a real big boost. So anyway, all right, so I have to connect Huey Lewis to Jack White. I did it, and I got really excited. I did it actually in less than was required of me, but I did extend it further to give us the three people. So okay. I'm gonna I'm just gonna walk through the the thinking here. So Huey Lewis is famously the composer of the let's the the hit song, the the powerhouse song, Power of Love. Oh yes. In uh, the movie Back to the Future, as well as I think he appears in Back to the Future as well. He's one of the judges of the talent show for yes. Marty's band, the Pinheads at the beginning. I think they're called the Pinheads at the beginning. And Anyway, that song, Power of Love, also is featured on the Back to the Future movie soundtrack, which... Ah, I know where you're going with this. Which also contains a song called Dance With Me, Henry, by soul legend Etta James. Oh, I don't know where you're going with this. Okay. So, Etta James, famous singer, balladeer. Yeah, she started Etta Van Fleet, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. So Etta James released many albums in her lifetime before she died in 2012. But the one I'm zeroing in on here is 1970s Etta James Sings Funk album. And on that album, which features many songs by many different songwriters, one track, track nine, stands out, James. It stands right out. Okay. You're about to learn why, and you're going to love it. I'm very excited. It's a song called When I Stop Dreaming... Co-written by two men, Ira and Charlie Lovin. That's right, the Lovin the Brothers. Lovin Brothers. Let's hear it for the Lovin Brothers. The crowd roars, crowd goes wild for my glorious find. Hey, I love the Lovin Brothers. <laughs> Devil James, you're back. Yeah, he's back. He's. Uh, I've come back to inhabit James's body to just say, you know, it's good to be back. The world's gotten a little warmer since I left, which is nice, you know. Maybe not for you, but for me. And um, I just want to say the Lovin' Brothers are the best damn act out of hell that this poor devil has ever seen. Anyway, Paul, back to you. Oh, uh, I'm glad to see your head got straightened on properly. We haven't seen you in, I think, two calendar years. It's been a, it's been a minute. And oh. you know what? My collection of pitchforks has gotten bigger and louder. <laughs> Thank you. I heard you are. You also um, you you purchased the the website Pitchfork. There was a settlement that's there. Right, that's right. They um, yeah, and I I I kind of made it just one of the worst journalistic sources of all time. I all right. I made a very good website, and I turned it bad. <laughs> is what I did. It was a good move on my part. Also, I'm responsible for all those Casper mattress ads. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's late, but you're on tonight. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Satan is Real is the album that we discussed in our Rackin' Tours Broken Boy Soldiers tour episode. That's episode seven of the podcast, which features the song The Christian Life. Which was, of course, co- now this is where I could detour off the, this is where I could go get off the bus mm. that Huey that Lewis, Lewis and not. the news are on. But instead, I'm going to stay on the bus <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to add something to this. So the Tours did cover the Christian life. So we could end it there. However, the Christian okay. life was also covered, James. And I learned this last night. And I'm very excited about it by the birds ah. on their 1968 Sweetheart of the Rodeo album. And of course... One of the members of the Birds is David Crosby, who said Jack White has yet to re- write a very fine song. So, thank you. We got <laughs> Huey fun. Lewis to Etta James to the Lovin' Brothers to <laughs> David Crosby and to Jack. Beautiful. So, I guess that's actually more, and I didn't need to do the extra one, but you got it now if you want I got it. it. It's there. It's there. That's Huey thank Lewis you. to Jack. And when I when I saw that. the Lovin' Brothers were connected to this, I got very, very excited. All right. Good. You're up next, and I'm going to throw this one at you, James, and I hope you're ready, and you don't moan about it. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor grow up to be a hero when the sky- yes Paul I am prepared let's get this done now first I want to say Lin-Manuel Miranda has a one he he did the soundtrack to Moana yes he has a he has a connection in one I didn't even knew, need to do it in three now this connection is not artist to artist he didn't play with Jack White or anyone who played with Jack White in this connection but he did tweet about jack white in 2012 really he said lin-manuel miranda uh with the blue check mark says jack white was so good as a young severus snape in the flashback scene referring to (laughs) the last harry potter movie (laughs) wait so lin-manuel miranda dunked on jack back in 2012 (laughs) i love that it's great it's really good through a verified Um, tweet no less yeah, and it got like forty likes. Like this before Lynn had blown up. Really, <laughs> when did Hamilton come out? I feel like that was later. Yeah, um, or right around that. Started in twenty thirteen. So this is pre fame. Wow, Lynn Manuel Miranda. So like uh, showing up on my brother, my brother, me in those early years, Lynn Manuel Miranda, where he wrote Ghost yeah. Horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So there's that. Here's how I connected him to Jack White uh, in in Three Degrees through through actual artists. Now I have two of these. I have an alternate as well. Lin Manuel Miranda did a an album called Almost Like Praying, which was a Hurricane Maria relief album uh, that he did with a whole bunch of artists who all sang on this one song, Almost Like Praying. This song also had fat joe rapper fat joe <laughs> featured on it uh-huh. joseph antonio cartagena is that uh, is that the full name is, is his is his full name or as he's known fat joe mm. he's on that song written by lin-manuel miranda and recorded f- by him and numerous other artists fat joe appeared also on an album from the wu-tang clan and the wu-tang killer bees the sting 
I can't believe I can't believe we've okay. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if you're not familiar, Wu Tang is a New York City rap group featuring RZA, yeah, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck, You Got, and Master Killer. Paul, I had to say those because I wanted to. I never get a chance to say those in my <laughs> daily life. Anyway. <laughs> Now, Fetcho would, would not only appear on this album, he would also, a few days ago, appear with Wu-Tang Clan on stage wow. at a concert celebrating Loud Records' 25th anniversary. That was on January 30th, I believe, if not January 31st of this year. So a few days ago, uh, Fat Joe was with Wu-Tang, including RZA. Uh, RZA from Wu-Tang Clan appeared in Coffee and Cigarettes with Jack White. Oh. And not side by side, but they're in the same movie. And as well as talking with Jack to do a Blue Room series that eventually he would not show up for, and Daru would be there, and they would create the Blunderbuss album. So RZA <laughs> and Jack White, there's that connection. So, Paul, I did it in three. Wow. Well, well done, James. Now, here's my alternate take. That single that I was talking about, Almost Like Praying, also had a fellow by the name of Joel Ortiz. Joel Ortiz is a member of Slaughterhouse which did a record with Eminem ah. in the album Welcome to My House, which featured CeeLo Green on one song <laughs> called My Life. CeeLo Green not only was covered by the tours, but was a member of Gnarls Barkley with Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse and Jack White did the Rome soundtrack. So there's my... Uh, James, that's, uh, those are some great connections you found there. Well done. Well played. Sure. Paul, the next one I'm going to do... Uh, like the Killer Bees album that Fat Joe was on called The Sting. Paul, I want you to do Sting. Alright. So, Sting. James, the reason... I'm so happy we're doing this one next will become evident by the end of my path. So <laughs> staying, of course, the famous uh, yodeler. And Man who stands too close to me. Uh-huh. He's standing close to people. He's watching the steps you take. He is doo-dooing. <laughs> the da-da's. The da-da. Ele, ele. So he did a song called <laughs> Desert Rose. Ele, ele. Uh, released on his... Brand New Day album, Ele Ele, on January 17th, 2000, Ele Ele, which, by the way, Ele, is described by Wikipedia as, quote, riding the wave of pre-9-11 interest in Latin and Arabic cultures. Wow. <laughs> which I thought was very, very funny. Sting, member of the police, goes solo, it releases a hit album. It kind of established him, I would say, as like, instead of just the guy who was in the police as kind of a thing, you know, uh, or at least a guy, an artist with staying power, uh, not the dissimilar. tantric sex man. Right. Yeah. This is when all that happened. Anyway, so Desert Rose, big song. The producer on that was Grammy award winning guitarist, keyboardist and producer Kipper, born Mark Eldridge, and track six on that record is a song called Tomorrow We'll See, which features musician and oft-sting collaborator David Hartley. Now, I had gone off on on a journey to find a Kipper connection, and let me tell (laughs) you, that was 
45 minutes of nothing. So <laughs> I had plenty of those myself. <laughs> so anyway, David Hartley, here we are with David Hartley, a Sting collaborator, David Hartley. So David Hartley collaborated with Sting many times, including co-writes with Sting on songs for the Emperor's New Groove soundtrack. Ah. Which also features a song by singer-songwriter Sean Colvin. Sean Colvin is known for writing the 1997 Grammy award-winning song Sonny Came Home, which everyone heard in their aunt's minivan. I, When I read the title of that song, the whole song played in my head from start to finish. <laughs> she said, days go by, I don't know oh, yeah. why. You know, it was like that Savage Oh, yeah, that Garden. was a minivan. Going, going to the playground. I know. It was in the minivan. Sonny came home. We'll play a clip here just to infect everyone else with that. So this is where things got weird. I found a couple. All right, so let's diverge this for a, a moment. This video of Sunny Come Home, which is filmed by Sofia Coppola and features <laughs> Kate Moss. So we're gonna the road diverges in the wood ele ele at this juncture, and I found two different paths to get to Jack White ele ele. And the first, we'll follow the Sean Colvin one, but there's a Sean Colvin path and there's an Emperor's New Groove path. So the Sean Colvin path, uh, Sean Colvin was on stage accepting her Grammy Award for Sonny Came Home with a Mission when the old dirty bastard stormed the stage, Ah, angry about his Grammy loss and proclaiming that Wu-Tang Clan was, quote, for the children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you can by the way james if you can find that i would love to hear it because i didn't i didn't oh. actually uh, put it in there please calm down the music and everything everything said, um, i went and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today you know what I mean? Because I figured that Wu-Tang was going to win. I don't know how y'all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean? Puffy is good, but Wu-Tang is the best. Okay? I want y'all to know that this is ODB and I love you all. Peace. Thank you, Mr. Is this false? I'm confused now. <laughs> So ODB, part of the Wu-Tang Clan, partner RZA. RZA was supposed to record at Third Man, but his lateness led to Jack White's Blunderbuss album being started. So we both wound up with Wu-Tang for the second one, and we both wound up with the birds for the first one. So that's kind of a weird coincidence. And I'm kind of interested to know if there's going to be a third one. So, all right. So let's, let's leave Sean Colvin's path set there. So we have that one is Sting to David Hartley to Sean Colvin to ODB to Jack White. Okay. This other one is Emperor's New Groove. So the Emperor's New Groove soundtrack features a song by Tom Jones, who recorded a single for Jack's Blue Room series. So I got to I got there f- through Tom Jones to the Blue series. And then I found a different one that I could get it in one from Sting straight to Jack. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Sting collaborated with that David Hartley guy on a song called Will You Be My Ain True Love that was on the Cold Mountain soundtrack. Oh, wow. And yeah, so, that's a very quick connection. Yeah. So Sting and Jack are actually on an album together, kind of. Wild. Yeah, which that's is... bizarre. Ele, ele. Yeah. Interesting. If folks out there don't know, Sting did the soundtrack to Emperor's New Groove and was very upset with the direction it took once it turned into a comedy. It was originally <laughs> supposed to be about a Road to El Dorado kind of situation, more of a serious, like, you know, still a kid's movie, but more of a serious tone. And then they hired... David Spade. David Spade. <laughs> and the movie took a complete left turn, and Sting got very upset about this. You mustn't upset the Sting. You mustn't upset the Sting. What do you? It's similar to your Huey Lewis game. What do you think Sting's up to? I think he's. I think he's. I think Sting's right now. <laughs> All right, James. My third and final connection for you to find three degrees. Jack White is singer and heartthrob and Partridge Family member David Cassidy. Before I go insane, I hold my pillow to my head. And spring up in my bed Screaming out the words I dread I think I love you The late David Cassidy Teen idol to all Partridge to most Oh, like Do- like Donnie Most is the kid Yeah, sure but Was that intentional pun? No, no it didn't. wasn't, but I do know what you're talking about cause it Donnie Most is the child, the little ginger The ginger boy I now know more about David Cassidy than I'd like to <laughs> He did want to be like Mick Jagger, and no one would let him, which I found <laughs> hilarious. We saw David Cassidy <laughs> perform in Las Vegas when we went in 1997. Was was he doing magic? Yeah, he hosted he like a, a variety magic show. I forget what it was called. I think it was like VFX or something like that. VFX yeah. sounds right. I assumed he was the magician. He was, not, he was dressed <laughs> similarly to a magician. Did you know David Cassidy did a version, a cover of Tomorrow? Yes. I learned that on the Yesterday and Today podcast, our sister podcast. Yeah, or like our father podcast. It's freaking wild life. Wild, wild life. Yeah. That was a pun. That was an intentional pun. Anywho. This is a weird one. (laughs) But I like it. (laughs) Here's me getting it in three, and then I'm going to go with my alternatives. Because this one's fun, but it's not nearly as research intensive. Right. David Cassidy, in his later years appeared on Celebrity Apprentice Wow! with with Lil John in 2011. He was fired in task number one. (laughs) He lost lost the first one, huh? Almost immediately. Lil John, who was also on this this season of Celebrity Apprentice, did a song featuring Killer Mike from Run the Jewels. Uh Uh-huh. Run the Jewels. All right. For Jack White at Madison Square Garden. Simple one there. Here's another simple one I did in three. David Cassidy's album Romance mm-hmm. was produced by one John Hudson. Yeah. John Hudson produced a bunch of Tom Jones records. Ah, so we both had some Tom Jones. Yeah, and Tom Jones record, recorded a Blue Room series single, Evil. So there's that three connection. Now here's another fun one that I want to go into a little bit. David Cassidy had his album Home is Where the Heart Is, as well as The Higher They Climb, The Harder They Fall. Produced by one Bruce Johnston. It also has guest vocals from Bruce Johnston, uh, and they cover Johnston's own I Write the Songs, a song originally penned by Johnston for the Captain and Tennille. I don't know if you recall that name, Paul. It's ringing a bell? You might better know 
Bruce Arthur Johnston from being a member of the Beach Boys. <sighs> Bruce Johnston played with Brian Wilson <sighs> in the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson co-headlined a tour with Jeff Beck in 2013. Ah. Guitarist Jeff Beck from the Yardbirds. And now this tour is wild, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was Jeff Beck had an album he was working on and wanted so desperately to tour with Brian Wilson of Beach Boys fame that in agreement with helping him helping jeff on the album the two would tour together they would co-headline but he wasn't even done with the album yet uh-huh. according to LadderSound.com, jeff beck has described his 2013 u.s tour alongside beach boys icon brian wilson as a bit of a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> jeff had agreed to do the touring before finishing his forthcoming album and wilson insisted that he play a large role in the promotion to drum up ticket sales meaning jeff beck was at brian's Back end call, if you will. Hey. To quote Jeff here, they wanted me to spend my whole afternoon doing uh, promotion to prop up the ticket sales, so we did this meet and greet stuff where audiences paid good money to watch rehearsals, which robbed me of the afternoon nap. <laughs> I love that. He would he would go on to need surgery at a hospital at some point. He needed an endoscopy at a hospital, and apparently he was forced to go on stage that very night. There were no. Br- <laughs> There were no breaks for him in this. <laughs> oh, no. And then on top of this all, Brian Wilson apparently didn't even help very much on the record. To quote Jeff Beck again, for four days I sat there and I didn't even know Brian was in the room. Oh, my God. He was, he was so quiet. He never uttered a syllable. And yet they gave me these parts that he'd allegedly written. <laughs> I love that. That's really good. The Brian was just concocting it in his cake head. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, Jeff Beck played with the White Stripes on stage in London. We went all over that in the Jack Lawrence episode. Yeah, wow, James. Well done. Paul, do you want my final and last one? Hit me with the final. Because this is this is going to be after the others. It's post the others, if you will. Paul, I want you to do post Malone. All right, Post Malone. This one is void of all joy. <laughs> this, <laughs> this one was this one was oh, wow. was laborious. This one was I really saw the writing on the face with this one because I couldn't. <laughs> Paul, were you? Would you say you're always tired from this one? <laughs> Post Malone is a uh, a white man rapper, <laughs> and he's very very popular right now. People love him, and I haven't partook, but, that you know, if you like Post Malone, great. Old Posty appeared as a voice actor in the movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. per- portraying someone called Brooklyn Bystander, and also contributed to the soundtrack of that movie, performing the song Sunflower, Sunflower. with rapper Sway Lee. So, did you know that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was on all the, these late-night shows promoting Okay. It. I didn't figure you for a Postmate. Are you a fan? I don't hate him. I don't love him either. Okay. It's fine. It's uh, very s- soft, s- 
soulful. Fine. I, I have to plead ignorance because I really haven't listened much. So anyway, oh, it's fine. Sway Lee. I learned all about Sway Lee. <laughs> I followed this thing because at a certain point I was so in, I was invested enough in Sway Lee where I was like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish this. So Sway Lee partnered. He's a rapper. He wore a pair of flower shoes, like tennis shoes with flowers, sunflowers on them, looks like, on stage for an award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And they were designed by shoe designer to the stars or whatever big big deal guy giuseppe zanotti an italian shoe designer and giuseppe was oh so happy to see swaley wearing his sunflower man shoes on this award show stage and so he called swaley and they got together when sway was in europe and i learned all about their whole meeting and everything. Anyway, they decided to launch a shoe collection and uh, held the launch party at Saks Fifth Avenue in in Miami because, of course, they did. And the quote to define it from Sway Lee was, you can't even put a gender label on this shoe. So Sway is invested. He's hooked up with Giuseppe. All right, so Giuseppe now. Giuseppe Zanotti chose model Carolina Kirkova to represent his spring 2015 campaign. You can tell how excited I was about all this. <laughs> I can see it in your face. Spring 2015 <laughs> campaign where the model confessed to crushing on his smile booty from his rock and roll capsule shoe collection. And Carolina Kirkova has been photographed many times alongside friend and fellow model Karen Elson ah. at fashion events around the world. And of course, That's a fun way to get there. Karen Elson is the ex-wife of Jack White. So I found a path. It wasn't fun or entertaining, but I found it. <laughs> and we're here now. Uh, James, I, that that was that was it. I know I thought for sure, like I thought you were going to get Karen on one of yours. So I thought we were going to do the, the three of them, but we didn't. So I'm, it's yeah, it's know. I was a little too invested in finding weird esoteric producers who would have produced something else that Jack was involved in or like a, in the Nashville scene. I did find that uh, some of these guys like David Cassidy, I think, did some stuff in Blackbird Studios. Oh, but but like none of the producers are the same. It was all like in the 70s. So like everyone's different. Right. And, you know, none of them had any similarity in there. So like. The producers I did find were able to to connect. Now, Paul, I can do you one better uh, with Post Malone only th- because I'm remembering what I did in the Smell of Fact section. Uh-huh. Nardwar, yeah. not only did he interview Jack White and the White Stripes, he interviewed Post Malone. Yeah. So there's a connection if you want to go with it. I like yours a lot better because it, it gets there by way of Karen, and I think one of us needed to, to do that. <laughs> but that was fun. Well, James, that was a very fun game you concocted there, and I hope all of you played along at home, and we want to hear what your strange connections to those six people are, and I think we're going to kick it to our third man for this week now, James. Yeah, let's kick it to our third man. We'd like to welcome our third man this week. We got Mr. Rob Janos, robbing a bank. We've given you a nickname. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, oh, d- Yeah, because you're robbing a bank. <laughs> when you're robbing a bank. Rob Janos <laughs> is here joining us, as we called him a chronic guest, and as he said, a season oneer. 
<laughs> I think if I, I think if I have one more appearance on my punch card, I get a free sandwich appearance or a free sandwich <laughs> at Quiznos. Yeah. yeah, no, it's mm, toasty. <laughs> How you doing, Rob? I'm doing good. You know, just been busy on the road and the like, and uh, you know, have a quiet evening at home today, and it's good to be back on with my two favorite third men nerds hey that's all right that's pretty good that sounds like a that sounds like a fine evening i don't know i just as i told you guys i just took a bunch of drugs so we're gonna see where this takes us you know the kid's in the other room i'm sure she's fine she's fine <laughs> she's rob, fine. rob we, we we have you back on the show today to talk a little bit about an experience you and james had it was magical magical seeing uh, Ms. olivia jean recently although you know b- before we get to that you know what are you up to these days you know you're toured around the country Country and world, it sounds like. Do you want to give us a little update? Yeah. What do you got? You might know from my previous appearance that I work as a tour manager for an all-girl Led Zeppelin tribute band called Les Zeppelin. They're based out of New York City, and I'm out of Jersey. And uh, so I tour around a lot with them on the crew side of things. But, you know, I've also got my own music that I work on and producing some records lately, which is super fun. And yeah, just the idle hands of the devil's playthings. And it's always, you know, good to be busy. I would know Are something we... about that as <laughs> James, I am the devil. Jesus, James. Yeah. Uh, um, reprising my role again as the devil. <laughs> Are we uh, going to be hearing a return of Asphalt Gray anytime soon? Is that what I'm hearing here? So, you know, it's it, Asphalt Gray is kind of in a like deep deep hibernation we haven't really done anything a few years many to substantial we've done some charity things and the like but no i've got a new project called the buzz and the hum which is a, a little bit a little bit yeah it, uh, it's hum and buzz right with them <laughs> I yeah, think so. that, yeah but um yeah so it's kind of a you know a little bit of a heavier thing which i like you know it's a bit more kind of foo fighters garage rock Vibe. Cool. And then I've got my uh, solo record that's coming out probably in the next couple months. Awesome! Yeah. Can't wait to hear so, it. So, uh, yeah, nice. got a lot, got a lot of stuff in the oven right now. You're you're really busy, man. <laughs> Too busy. <laughs> you're making James um, feel bad, Rob. Be less busy. Uh, he, he's like, you know, I'm gonna have you come on on a Friday night at ten o'clock <laughs> when I was. I was going to go clubbing and I was going to, you know, just hit the town hard and just like live my best life. And I'm at home. Got to. Uh, yeah. Tonight. yeah, I felt so. bad because, you know, the nearest club to me, as listeners might know, is just a steel mill down the road. Uh, <laughs> is that is that literally a club? It's uh, sort of there's a there's a thing called the steel stacks at Bethlehem that they use as an art space and as a concert venue now. And that's the closest thing we have. Yeah, and Bobby uh, Arlo was just tickled that James told him that the only time he gets out is to wander down to the old abandoned steel mill, and uh, you know it's pretty. Well, good. If, if 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 you ever want to partner up and put on some like badass DIY like rock and roll concerts at the steel mill, just let me know. Hell yeah, I think that would be super cool. This is when Ron Howard's voiceover says, and that's when James accidentally became a concert booking agent. <laughs> so that's exciting. You've got a lot coming up. Yeah. That tour that you're on is actually what led me to actually going to see a show with you, Rob. Mm-hmm. Les Zeppelin, the, the band that you're a tour manager for, and on the crew side of things, had an opening act, Miss Olivia Jean, friend of the show. Hey. Was, was, was opening for them. I saw this ad via Facebook and immediately texted you going like, <laughs> hey, what's OJ's going to be with Les Zeppelin? And, and I had no clue. 
I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're like, orange juice? I don't know what you're talking about. The juice is opening up, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so so he texted me and he's like oj and les zeppelin i'm like first of all how'd you get my number second of all you know i was like who's in you mentioned olivia jean i'm like i had to go confirm this myself i had to go look at the contract and i was like oh shit look at that i had no clue amazing because you know even though i'm the tour manager and it's literally my job to know <laughs> who the opening act is for certain shows i had not, not the faintest idea so it was a very pleasant surprise what's the venue what was the venue where did you guys what was this Give me the lowdown so, here. So it's a, it's actually a really, really cool venue. It's in Ardmore, PA, and uh-huh. it's the t- titular Ardmore Music Hall. Uh, it's a small, I guess, maybe like a 350, 400 capacity venue. Okay. And, yeah, we've been there, like, you know, maybe about a half dozen times over the past five years. Paul, you'll remember I described it a little bit with Pokey Lafarge. I saw him there as well. Oh, okay. Cool. Small club atmosphere with seating in the back. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, so it was it's really cool. It's if I was closer, I would go to see concerts there because mm-hmm. it's just it's got a good vibe. Uh, it's got a really nice sound system. And the crew there are really top notch as well. So, you know, I'd like to see a concert there. And I finally did. So I, you know, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't normally I don't normally watch the opening act all the time. But I was like, I made sure that I was going to like to <laughs> sit and enjoy this one. So. That's great. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, They have a, a, you know, the bar set up and they have food if you want it. So it's a very enjoyable venue, small too. So it's got that, well, you're next to the stage. It's it's crazy close. And, you know, when I saw Pokey, I was all the way in the back sitting down. Which is enjoyable in its own right. However, with OJ... You're going to have to start calling her Olivia Jean, James. I can't... (laughs) With Olivia, I went and, you know, stood pretty close. I was one away from the stage. And then Rob surprised me. You know, we we had seen each other beforehand. And, you know, I expected him to go uh, sit... In some other room and watch it on a monitor or perhaps on a in throne the, in upstairs. The bal- in the balcony, and, like yeah. uh, Stadler and Wardorf. Yeah, like, yeah, just... <laughs> and, uh, no, you surprised me. You were you, you hung out with me during the show. That was great. It was uh, it was so nice to, to be able to actually have somebody, you know, to be able to turn to and yeah, go, oh, my so, God, they're playing. So, you know, sometimes a, a concert uh, not in the, you know, the front row or the pit up against the stage is a concert not worth seeing. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of that, a lot of the, the kind of third men affiliated acts are of that ilk. So yeah. being able to hear the amps themselves, not through through speakers, you know, and hear the drums and just kind of get the stage volume is is always really really cool, especially for like a badass rock and roll band show. Yeah, I, I saw her in 2018, and, and I'm going to catch the same tour next month. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But one of the things I remember people remarking on when they saw videos of the performance I saw, and one of the things I noticed was that she has become a bit more animated on stage. She's rocking out a little bit more. Did you uh, detect a, a difference in that regard? Did she seem particularly animated that night? And if so, like, uh, how would you describe her stage presence? Like, I did see a little bit, more, you know, a little bit more movement. I've I've actually been fortunate enough to see see Olivia perform. This is, I guess, the fourth time in various incarnations the first time i saw her was playing bass for karen elson on the ghost who walks tour um in new york and then i saw her the next uh, maybe that even that same year at michigan fest with the black bells 
opening up for the raconteurs. Awesome. Mm. Then I saw her earlier this summer and I told her this. I was like, oh, I, you know, I just saw you and your band earlier this summer open up for the raconteurs at uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. So I've seen her like, you know, over the past like nine years. So, yeah. mm. you know, and I, I feel like every time I see her, she gets better. Like the Black Bells, they were I love the Black Bells, but they were really, really rough. Yeah. When I saw them in Michigan, they were just not prepared to be in, in that kind of festival live setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw them at Hammerstein Ballroom, it's difficult to get a, a grasp on somebody in like a big venue. Sure. And we're up in the balcony. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a horse of different colors. So getting to see her in a small venue, you know, kind of up close and personal was, was really, really nice. Her and her band just looked like they were having a lot of fun up there. So. It's great. Yeah, they had the neon signs out and everything, and she she had toned down. It seemed toned down her look this that evening. She had a she had a hat on and stuff. And it she was, had it, uh, country pigtails. She had yeah. like the, the kind of braided pigtails, which is like, oh, she's she's gone native in Nashville. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a different look than I, I was used to. It was like a different look than the uh, bathtub love killings kind of era Olivia Jean yep. that we were used to. Yeah, she played a, a pretty great selection of music she she did a black bell song uh yeah. wishing well And then she did most of her new album. Including John Pahetchen Ho, which was really surprising oh. to see live. As she told us in our interview with her, she doesn't know what any of those words mean. Uh, and she, she learned those like Abba learned English. She just learned them phonetically. And she does a really great job at it. But it was cool to see and hear that one as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I discovered that song like probably like 10 years ago. You know, it just came on like a compilation CD that I just found just like weird, <laughs> like foreign kind of surf music mm. and that song so good <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and uh, I didn't know she was covering it until I saw her open up for the rap tours earlier this year well in 2019 at this mm. point and man it was just it, it hit me like a ton of bricks I was like what is this song why do I know it and then and then I heard, saw that you know the lyric release video that she did you know on YouTube and you know yeah. now I got the record and it's like wow that's a really great song it's, to hear you know a different version of it. her uh her version is high energy very high energy and and yeah. not that the original isn't but i had heard hers first uh on the b-side to night owl the single and mm. it struck me i really really enjoyed it and then when i saw finally watched that gumnum 
clip that you know it's from that film that bollywood movie i was like oh the original like because so, sometimes you're not quite sure what to expect the, the original is like got a swingy sort of vibe to it still yeah. great but i really like the spin she put on it because it's relentless like she really mm-hmm. that band dives right into that song and doesn't let up yeah. well the original is so brassy it's got like a full right. horn section super kind of distorted compressed horns and it's just kind of like a lot of tom movement on the drums really just kind of primal the original version so right. you know her version it's it's a lot more stripped down cuz she's you know there's only four people in her band you know so it it doesn't have the advantage of all those overdubs you know of the horns and the the organ and everything so you kind of have to take it in a different way yeah. you know and it deconstructed or emphasize different parts than than the original recording so it, it is a different feel, and it's, even on the album, it's it's even different than the live version, because the album version is even more stripped down, because I think it's only, I don't know how many people are on that particular song, but most of the songs in that album are just her, just yeah. overdubbing and layering. Ooh, I'm going to find got, out. I've got, I've got the vinyl five oh. feet away from me. I, no, you were... <laughs> <laughs> I can look at the liner notes if you want, but, uh, but uh, I mean, tr- truth be told, I kind of went in in open honesty with lower expectations okay. than maybe somebody would assume. Cause you know, I, I, I listened to bath sub love killings. I got it on vinyl and stuff and I listened to it a few times and it just never grabbed me. I loved her work with the black bells and obviously she did great session work for a lot of uh, third band records, you know, songs and stuff, but you know, it just, it was, it wasn't grabbing me. And when I now I've seen her live on this tour twice and I have the record and uh, I like it a lot better than than bathtub um i think the songwriting's better the playing is better oh it's much more Uh, sophisticated yeah it's yeah it 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 impressed it impressed me and i was very very pleasantly surprised i have the vinyl here just to just follow up on who plays on john john pechianho i'm probably not pronouncing that correctly but uh olivia is on obviously vocals guitar percussion interestingly Uh, jessica lee wilkes is on bass blake tally on guitar and additional percussion, and Simon Nudson, K N U D T S O N. I'm going to go ahead with Nudson. Nudson sounds right. Yep. Yeah, on uh, drums and percussion there. So and, yeah, four uh, piece. Jessica was her bassist in her current touring band. Right. Okay. I saw Jessica on the in the 2018 iteration as well. Yeah. Yeah. She. she uh, yeah. I mean, her current band was uh, Dave is the drummer. Uh, Jess, Jessica Lee Wilkes is the bassist, and then Cody. I think Cody. Yes, Cody. Uh, Cody, is, Cody. Cody is the is the guitarist, and all, all all of them were were really really good players, good Nashville kind of pickers and stuff. Oh, so, was, yeah. Cra- yeah, they were crazy good. Uh, the drummer specifically had a very striking resemblance to Lalo. I thought I, when I first saw him, I was like, oh. <laughs> I guess yeah. Lalo's tour managing her. Yeah, I thought too. that it's like, when I saw the picture on her Instagram, I thought it was Lalo and, uh, for the yeah. same reasons. Yeah, very surprising. I was like, "Is he drumming now? Is that what he's doing?" <laughs> but I heard him. I mean, I guess spoiler for the end of the story. Uh, I, I was waiting in in line to to meet Olivia. The drummer was behind me talking to some other person who works at the Ardmore, and he was saying, you know, how talent. He must have recently met olivia because he said you know she's super talented and he had no idea this this girl who's this young like he's he was saying like you you wouldn't guess that her age because she's just got so much raw guitar talent 
Well, you know, it was it was funny when uh, it was a little bit embarrassing in hindsight uh, because I didn't know until afterwards that when the band loaded in and they were kind of prepping for sound check and stuff, I went up and I introduced myself to them and said, you know, oh, I'm the tour manager of Led Zeppelin. It's you know, it's great to have you on board tonight. You know, look forward to the set. And I said, it's like, oh, and truth be told, it's like I'm actually a big fan of you guys. I just saw you in New York City at the Hammerstein opening up for the Rackham Tour. And Olivia and Jessica were like, oh my god, that's amazing. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's yeah. what a coincidence. Like, you know, I hope you enjoy the show. And, and I had no idea that Cody and Dave were mm. not in the band uh, <laughs> earlier that summer. Because um, I think they were just kind of like hired sidemen because when I saw them, I was up in a balcony, you know, you know, 300 feet away. So I had no idea who was on stage. So right, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I just saw the band. You know, I just assumed it was the same band. But I guess right. they kind of switched up between legs. I don't yeah. know this for sure, but I think Cody has played with her before. I think mm. he may have he might have dropped out and then started playing with her again, but uh, but because I distinctly remember a Cody from when I was, but yeah, I, I it's easy to pick out Olivia and Jessica, uh, Olivia yeah. because she's Olivia, but Jessica because she looks like she could have been a black bell. Um, she yeah, yeah she, that, she's very yeah dark look and stuff. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So so Cut the set so the set was good, and then afterward, James, you alluded to earlier. You actually, why don't you tell the uh, why don't you tell the story about well, what happened after the show? Well, firstly, not only was I next to to Rob at the show, uh, there was a, a genuine Olivia Jean super fan who was like a real super fan in front oh, of me. He, yeah, he was the guy up against the stage, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and he was with his son, and he filmed the entire show. That's great. He was like super excited. I, I you know, I introduced myself to him because he seemed like a uh, an interesting fella, and it turns out. Rob had already mentioned our podcast to him because he's like, "Oh yeah, you, you would if you, like, if, you, if you like Third Man Records and you know Olivia Jean, it's like go check out you know Third because I'm always pimping you guys out, man. Thanks, it was, Rob. It was very yeah. nice, but it was it was so nice to see people reacting to you, Rob, who then ran onto the stage to start prepping for Les Zeppelin and. You know, you you were taking pictures of the set list uh, from Olivia's set list that other people had taken, yeah. and people could tell that you were a fan. And I think it meant a lot to people that the band that <laughs> she was opening for had a fan of the opening act. Yeah. Rarely does that kind of align like that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it, it, it kind of comes from like I guess a level of humility that I like. I at least try to have where. Like, I'm a tour manager in this band. You know, I'm the head of the touring party. I do all the logistics and things like that. But I don't play in the band. Mm. They're a big band. They're off doing USO shows and, you know, playing Madison Square Garden. I've never done that. You know, I play clubs, much smaller clubs than the Ardmore. So I can, I know what it means to be an opening act for, for bigger acts. So it's like, I always, you know, I always try and like, you know, treat them all with like the utmost respect, thank them, you know, offer any assistance, you know, kind of helping move gear and anything that I can do because, you know, that's just what I want to, that's just who I am because I would hope that somebody would do the same for me, you know, in my podunk bands, you know, so. Sure. But it was super cool seeing you like one second behind me, then on stage and then chatting with folks about Olivia Jean. I got a kick out of that. So I, right as that was happening, I made my way backstage to the merch table 
so I waited in line and I, I, you know, got up to her and I, you know, super, super generous with her time. I was like, Hey, Olivia, I don't know if you remember me. I'm James. I, I was part of the third man podcast and immediately she lit up, <laughs> went right in for the hug and she recognized me. And, you know, it was so, so nice of her to even remember or even pretend even if she didn't, but she, she did, uh, which was, it was, it was so nice that she remembered. And we talked for a bit, you know, reminisced about the podcast, about some of the jokes. She had uh, mentioned that it was, she listened to the whole thing, including the bits, which was <laughs> awful to hear. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, she she said, can I give you, uh, can I give the podcast a, a, a signed copy of the album? And I was like, well, I have this CD. She's like, well, you know, you could, I could sign that, but do you want the vinyl to the podcast? I'm like, yeah, I guess. So she signed a, a podcast uh, version of the album to us. Uh, which will be uh, framed. And uh, thank you very much, Olivia. That was super generous. She did uh, something very similar. Yeah, she yeah. G- like gave us a, like Les a, a vinyl and stuff like that. She oh, was nice. she was very very you know warm and uh, thankful for you know for the show and you know our enthusiasm. So it's like totally you're really really great. Cool. Yeah, very very receptive to fans, which I appreciate. Uh, and so much so that like even after I got the autograph, I was like, hey, do you mind getting a picture? And she said, of course. And then we were going to get a picture, and she said, let's move to a place where we don't have to use flash, where there's good lighting. Nobody likes flash. We moved all the way over to this other side, and as we're walking to get the photo, she turns to me and goes, you know I made Jack listen to that episode, right? (laughs) Apparently, (laughs) apparently Mr. Jack White has heard that episode, bits and all. Well, Ben Blackwell, I mean, he said that, like, you know, Jack is aware of this thing, you know. He's com- compiling evidence for a cease and desist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. we, we knew he was aware of it. I don't think we've ever had confirmation that he'd listened to it. And we now have confirmation that Olivia had made him listen <laughs> to it. Just trapped him in a car like everybody yeah. else does with podcasts. Like <laughs> Heard us talk about how the tours are comfort food pizza and the like <laughs> yeah i do believe i refer to the racketeers as pizza in that but uh, you know it is you know pizza tastes good and the racketeers yeah. sound nice and i stand by that statement but yeah super super receptive and then she said are you staying for the rest of the show and i said of course i said i, I mentioned that uh, you know i was friends with the tour manager and she was like oh yeah i met him he's Super nice. And then, uh, yeah, Les, Les Zeppelin then came on stage. Super great show. I didn't stand right up front because the crowd it got was big, very you know, towards, yeah. <laughs> the, the Les Zeppelin crowd is ravenous. It was great. I, I, the, the excitement, the crowd, it was, it was the, the age groups kind of really ranged all over the place. It was a really, really good crowd. The, the show was great, and I was so pleasantly surprised to see you up on stage every now and then, carting in some pianos and <laughs> carting in some, uh, you know, well, not maybe not pianos, but carting, you know, Guitars instruments away. The... Theremin, I believe you carted in in a way. And then on top of that, they do the Jimmy Page-esque solo where, you know, the guitarist is, is playing the, the solo with a violin bow in a spotlight and then throws the bow behind her and who but Rob Janos is there <laughs> to catch it and almost get whacked in the face. <laughs> it's the, the, the show's very involved with like different instruments and different kind of gadgets and gizmos. So like, you know, in that song, there's like a really deep tape echo, you know, on, mm. on the, on the guitar for the violin bow to kind of play with. So, but it needs to be cut off 
immediately. Uh, so yeah. it's like she, Steph, our guitarist, has a habit of kind of tossing the bow back, and I'm usually back there kind of fixing the knobs and stuff, turning <laughs> yeah. off the tape echo, and I just have to, like, try and catch it. Um, and I catch her most nights, but, yeah, I don't remember. But even though I'm the tour manager, I'm, I'm pretty involved in just the overall operation of the stage, so I kind of come and go throughout the show. So, so Rob, I have a question for you. So you yeah. manage some of the equipment. I, does that mean that you're on stage tuning instruments and setting them up and stuff before the show starts? Yeah, so I tune them. Usually I have kind of what I call like guitar world, like my little bat cave area where I kind of keep all the guitars. But at a small place like Ardmore where there's no place to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like behind the amp tuning up gotcha. a, a Dan Electro to Dad Gad for, you know, cashmere or something like that, or right. mo- moving a theremin over for a whole lot of love and, you know, well, things like that. Well, I have a question for you. So I, I've never, I've often seen, as we all have, the people who are tuning the instruments prior to the show. And I, yeah. uh, we're going to, I'm sorry, we're going to step into an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm here, so I apologize. Okay. I've always wondered whether or not you're ever tempted to play like a little lick of something, or is that frowned upon in the band hierarchy? Do they not want any music to come from the instrument? <laughs> before they come on stage or can you sneak some things in there so, so funny story a couple of years ago the girls had the opportunity to play madison square garden like the room you know we were the halftime show at the knicks game so Jesus Christ. Te- That's technically awesome. it's not song remains the same but it's still Led Zeppelin in a yeah. Madison Square Garden setting. So, I mean, that's the dream. The place is a total barn. It's not a very nice venue whatsoever to see a concert <laughs> in, but it's legendary, <laughs> right, rightfully yeah. so. So we got the opportunity, and it's like, even me as like some like grubby kind of garage punk who's like, F- that, I'd rather play basement. You know, <laughs> and like, even then I'm like, oh, you know, this is Madison Square Garden. So when I was finished setting up the kind of the Marshall stack and everything, and tune up the Les Paul to get a sound and like normally it's like you know I kind of call Steph and I pass over the guitar to her to get do sound check it's like I just had to indulge in big <laughs> power chords at full volume you know just to, you know just like hear the the river reverberations thinking that's like oh shit concert from Bangladesh was here right. oh, shit, you know and Led Zeppelin Song Remains the Same was here you know and just like all these amazing concerts Steph and I butt heads on a lot of things she's very very strong minded and rightfully so she's a guitarist of the Led Zeppelin band mm. so you know but so like she's very, very protective of her guitar but like I would never I would never hurt them anyway. <laughs> they're, they're, they're my babies too so <laughs> That's incredible, and you've now played MSG. You've done yes, it. Yes, technically, um, bucket list. Insanely jealous. Once again, you've but, made James uh, very that's uncomfortable. Insanely, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you've done nothing but make me feel bad about how bad I'm doing, Rob. Yeah. Oh boy, You're, you just keep on keeping on, man. I it's gotta, like one day at a time. I gotta get to a steel mill and play some power chords. And... Um, so you know, you know, Bruce Springsteen's uh, first band was called Steel Mill, right? No, I did not know. It's back when Bruce Springsteen looked like Robert Plant. He had like the uh, the long curly hair, and he played yeah. Les Pauls and stuff. And yeah, it's got a band called Steel Mill. Yeah, Dad, wow. our 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 parents often tell the stories of him living in a surfboard factory and being kind of smelly and uh, wandering around <laughs> Asbury Park in a daze and whatnot. Uh, 
Oh, to be in those yeah. times. Oh. Mo- no, yeah. mo- most, most people in Asbury Park are still kind of throwing. So. Growing <laughs> up. Be- beachy. Right. Beachy. Yeah. What do you got? What's coming up with Les Zeppelin? Where Where are they going next? Can you uh, Can you plug any shows for our listeners across the globe? Because yeah. we can actually yeah. say that we can say that legally, we're allowed to say it across the globe. So, where are you going? So, I've got my kind of schedule out. You know, my handy dandy schedule looking right now. And uh, so, currently, the band is touring Physical Graffiti. Cool. Um, for most of the shows, we're One doing of my the full favorites. Double. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a dream for the band for the longest time, but that it's really daunting. It's like playing the White Album. You know, there's so yeah. much stuff on it. Eclectic, so they're too. Tour- yeah, so we're finally touring Physical Graffiti and performing the whole record in its entirety. We've got shows coming up at the Gramercy Theater in New York City, Peekskill at the Capitol Theater in New York. Where else we got? Man, Massachusetts, Maryland, Portland, Boston, Qatar for that USO show, you know, awesome. Detroit. Actually, last time we were in Detroit, I uh, made the girls kind of stop in at Third Man Records at Cass Corridor and <laughs> yes. so took a picture of them in front of the you know, thing wearing their Les hoodies and stuff. So awesome. So, yeah, it's you know, we're, we're getting around, you know, we're touring a lot uh, kind of this spring and summer. So look up the band and give me uh, give me a ring. I'll try and get you on the list or whatever. You know. Hey, uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds like fun. And there is a, a new. There is a new album out by Les Zeppelin, correct? I think I gave you a copy, right? You did. You did indeed. And uh, other people should pick up a copy of this yeah, fantastic so, album. Yeah, it's called The Island of Skyros. If I'm mm-hmm. uh, our, our singer's from Greece, and she'll correct me if I got the wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it's a record that's kind of been in the in the makings for a while. It's it's a record, a kind of a smattering of you know Zeppelin songs where we recorded them in the studio with a full string section. Ooh. Mm. Our, our bassist, Joan, incredibly talented musician. She arranged all these amazing string parts, and we brought in incredibly talented players and kind of added strings, not to just songs that have strings, like you would think a song like Rain Song or Cashmere, you know, has these strings already, but we added songs to like immig- uh, Strings to Immigrant Song or Achilles' Last Stand, you right. know, these really kind of like heavy metal you know, songs. It, it came out really, really good. We've done we've done a bunch of shows with strings in concert before, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, hearing them in a in a proper studio recording is just really, really nice. So fantastic. Now, would you mind if we played a little sample of that? Of course. Okay. That sounded great. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, well, <laughs> I played all the instruments myself. <laughs> well, I I will pass along the compliments to the girls because I had yeah. nothing to do with it. That's all them. So it's 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 wonderful, uh, and the 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 raw Led Zeppelin energy that comes out of them is it's amazing. It's it's the next best thing to seeing the actual band. She the lead singer has 
the most Robert Plant vibes I have ever seen come out of another human being on Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know the uh, the the guys in Led Zeppelin. You know they've they've seen the girls. Like Jimmy came out to see us in London last time we played. Cool. Oh, nice. And uh, which was amazing, you know. And like you know, so it was really nice. Came backstage and took pictures. Whoa! And, and awesome. He's been he's been effusive in his praise. Um, you know, saying that it's like, oh, they you know they perform the music exceptionally. They they really get the vibe. Really, it's because mm. it's easy to just kind of play Led Zeppelin note for note, but to not do it with passion is really not the way you have to go about doing it. You have to be playing with wild abandon right. to uh, to convey it. So. They do it very well. Wow! And and anything in the Rob Janos world that you you want to plug? Because you you have a some new solo work coming out now yes. in the near future, or is it? Yeah, it's my my musical masturbations. Um, my, uh, <laughs> I that it's I, not called that. <laughs> <laughs> the record's going to be called Expatriate, and I'll I'll send you an MP3 if you want to play a snippet yeah. of that too. It just got some mixes yeah. back, so awesome. Well, I met you one summer back in 2010 when the cop pulled up. I knew right then that I had met my match. Yes, I did. But it wasn't love. No, it wasn't lust. It was your voice. You must trust the feelings that I felt were real. When you laid your hands upon the keys and I fell down on That'll be coming out, you know, sometime in the next couple months. And then, you know, I'm in the studio with uh, with the Buzz and Hum doing some real rock and roll records, not the Strum and Hum acoustic bullshit. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, keeping busy. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Rob. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, yeah, you're, uh, you're a repeat offender. And uh, yeah. we always enjoy having you on. So uh, thanks, Rob. It's fun. I'm gonna yeah. hold. You, I'm gonna hold you next time to my sandwich. You know, my free sandwich. <laughs> well, you get it in the punch cards, and I <laughs> yeah, get exactly. to punch that card again. Rob, I, I know I've thanked you a million times. You were we were so kind and had me uh, at that show, and it was it, it was wonderful. I had a great time. Olivia was fantastic, and seeing it with you made it just way more special. So I really, really appreciate it. Uh, oh, I, and, and all yeah. of the uh, and even the the set list. You gave me the set list from Les Zeppelin. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Much obliged. I appreciate the you know the support and I appreciate the listening material. So never ask me for anything ever again. Uh, but uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's like I, I love I love you guys and uh, you know just uh, you know want to support the uh, the shows any way possible. So thank you, well, thank Rob. you so much. Yes, thank you, Rob. Sure. And I've been watching so much Nardwar recently. All I want to say is keep on rocking in the free world. You're welcome on the show anytime. Seriously. Okay, um, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Yeah, I'm just gonna be crashing on your couch one night. Yeah. James, we haven't discussed that, but <laughs> don't uh, don't go promising. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the sandwich will be in my freezer uh, until then because I don't know how fresh it'll be if I keep it in the fridge. Yeah, cut off the crust for me. Yeah. Okay. Like, no, like I'm not high enough for this. I... <laughs> you need more drugs. <laughs> Bye. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the show. Bye. Okay. Au revoir, mon ami.
James, we learned, we laughed, we lived, we prayed. Live, laugh, we love. Lo- we loved, we saw a very explicit music video. We did a lot. There was a lot of titillation. There was a lot of game playing happening. We'd like to thank our third band for this week, Rob Janos. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. I don't remember what your nickname is off the top of my head. Uh, Robin a Bank? Robin a Bank is a good one. And we'd also like to thank some more people. We'd like to thank our Patreon patrons and uh, other people who are donating to the show. And actually, James, uh, we've got some new ones to add to that list. We would like to thank Elizabeth Myers. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. That was very Uh nice of you. Surprise, it came in today. We were super excited to see that. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Very, very sweet of you. And uh, also, we saw Tam Davis sent us a lovely message as well at Third Person Spirit Every Week. We'd also like to give a special shout-out to Brett Garski, the Brett 3 Killed My Garski, because I think we've neglected to shout Brett out and he is, of course, a Patreon patron as well as a wonderful listener. How many do we owe him? Like three? Yeah. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Brett, we're really sorry we neglected you. And I know you you told us not to do that, like specifically said don't do that, but we're doing that because we feel so bad. Yeah. And we really do appreciate the help and the support, Brett, and everybody who donates. And so we'd also like to thank uh, Yvette Wilkins. Wilkins on Sunshine. Brenda Inglehart. We want to be the boys to warm your Inglehart. We have Kate McCoy. Bones of the Operation. We have Stu Cat, Stu Driver, Julia Hickling, the $3 Hat Meg, and Melinda Taylor. Melinda Taylor, send me an angel down. Josh Aiken, or Joe Shaken all over, and of course Luke Sinclair. Luke me over close, who continues to send us very kinky facts yeah. and links. Many keep, kinky links. Keep it coming. And keep them coming, because we love, we want to learn more about the kinks on this show, so do that. Thank you, everybody, seriously, for donating. Uh, if you'd like to donate, there's an ad. At the end of the show, which we'll tell you how to do that, but the, the easiest way to do it is through our Patreon page, and you can find the Third Men on Patreon. It makes the show possible at this point because podcasting is it costs more than a penny, and it, when you're in for a penny, you're Paul. You're you know what they say. You gotta. Yep make lemonade now if you'd like to find us on social media and talk to us you could do so a number of ways you can find us on facebook at our facebook page that's facebook.com slash third men tweet at us on our twitter page oh, boy i'm acting like a real old man right now that's at uh-huh. third men cast on twitter you can tumble down tumblr with us that's third men podcast you can press our words over at the third men wordpress.com gotta add the extra the in there you can email us any questions or facts or corrections that sort of stuff you can email that to us thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com again that's thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on acast which is where our show comes from i love acast not nearly as much as I loved the name Pippa, though, because I could say Pip on down to Pippa, but you know what? Acast is pretty great, too. Oh. Did Acast a spell on you? That's okay. A love spell? Yeah, I, I got it. I, I like it. Anyway, you can do that. You can find us on Acast. <laughs> They're great. They have great customer service, and if you'd like to start a podcast, you could do it with Acast. It's not, it's not a problem. It might cost you something, but, you know, it's not a problem. Just try it. Why don't you just try it? Just go on Acast and find us. Yeah, what's your what's your problem? Yeah. Anyway, Why they're great. Why don't you try it? You chicken? Yellow. you back to the future. Yellow. Chick. Huey Lewis. Uh, word association. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Now, you can search The Third Men on YouTube as well, or you can go right to our channel. That's YouTube.com slash C slash The Third Men Podcast. Again, that's YouTube.com slash C slash The Third Men Podcast. I hate the fact that they make us use the C, but they do. Anyway, you can rate, review, and subscribe 
on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you do, but iTunes is great. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Thank you. The more ratings and reviews we get on there, the more listeners can find us on there, the more we get recommended. So that would be great if you could. If you don't, that's fine. But yeah, it would be good. You could take the money. Just take the money. And if you have any listener questions, feel free to send those into our email as well. And thank you, Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti, for the help with our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the wonderful intros and outros of our program. And Paul, that'll do it. All right. Hey, we got through it, huh? That was, and we played. We played a little bit. It was fun. I enjoyed that. It was that. fun. Uh, until next week, I'm going to be looking for a home. and i will be looking for a home in a tour with brian wilson's big head (laughs) see you next episode bye for more information or to contact the show visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com also visit at thirdmencast on twitter and search the third men on facebook See you next time. started yet and now you can start you're gonna have to count again i'm sorry guys no no we don't have to count again we're good (laughs) bad job and so i was lecturing him on comedy and uh yeah which which of course we have no business lecturing anyone (laughs) about no we don't but at least i just want people to tell good jokes is what it comes down to i feel flush so Mm. that's fun uh paul Oh, man. I didn't realize we were doing one of these, too. I'm sorry. No, I would have rather done that than the kinky corner. We'll do both. we got to stretch this episode. because uh, There may be some light ambient noise you're going to have to edit out. I, I Just mute me for this portion. Okay. You're muted. Um, oh, no, I muted myself. Look, this may just be the drugs talking, but I wouldn't mind driving <laughs> seven hours to see you, Rob. <laughs> oh, well, flattered. Uh, <laughs> and there is- I am eight feet away from you listening to you talk about this and watch it with your brother. <laughs> uh, I'm going to just give you... Yeah. Okay. Paul needs a minute. He's going back to the kinky corner. <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. Did this ever get played on like MTV or like what? What happened with what I is? Know, who I is just... this for? This was 2004. What do you even play videos in 2004? <laughs> yeah, she was famously still on the stage. Did move? <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> oh. A chronic guest, you might say. Yeah, you are a massive uh... case of chronic guest. What's 116 times three? Because that's how many times we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> At least. <laughs> do you want me to just tell you what the next one is, and then you can say no. it back to me? No, I got it. I got it. Don't don't worry. <laughs> the canary. The canary's dead. <laughs> uh-huh.
the police the police have come for the canary and it's died <laughs> I keep wanting to call her OJ and, and now I have calls coincidentally tours in a Ford Bronco yeah the only one that's coming to mind is Sonny come home that's not what that lyric is, Jason. I no, know. It's, it's Sonny came home road. with the machine. But only you part sure that was David Trage of a musician. He's in the Partridge well, family. Uh, also, a tele- I, television I, show. Donnie Mouse. Ringing any bells yes, for I, you. I mean, I know. Yes. She's going to uh, make Jack call you now. Yeah. Oh God. Block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strange uh, Nashville numbers are calling. Oh God. I just block everyone from Nashville. It's, it's the inferiority musician complex in me. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. These guys are better than me. I'm not gonna take their call. Yeah, that's great. Nope, oh, he left. Let's go back to our song. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.